1: Thanks for joining me for another book. This is here on cannabisria.com My next guest is a repeat guest from this past January, and he's based in the very bustling New York State cannabis market where he counsels clients on various business matters, including structure, expansion, formation, sale, and dissolution of business entities and partnerships, regulatory compliance, internal and external best practices, compliance audits, and general advice concerning complex and novel issues of law. He's back again to join us to talk about the latest that's been going on with the issues in the ongoing growing. And we talked last time about the conditional adult use retail dispensary license or the CAURD licenses that have been granted initially when we talked back in January to the first retail dispensaries in New York state. I'm back once again with the lead of the cannabis practice team at Farrell Fritz, Jason Little is on with me once again. Hey, Jason, thanks for being on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So I wanted to bring on here on the program here just because there is more to what's going on in New York and yeah, it's a good time to go and come back 10 years uh, 10 months, uh, Ruth just to see where you are right now. So as we record now, the state of New York, they're, License application window has opened again as of October 4th. There are five license types now available, cultivator, processor, distributor, retail dispensary, and micro business. And so there have been people that have been talking about this, but I wanted to just get your take right now on what is available, what you know about so far in the process for those that are looking to go ahead and make another attempt to get a CAURD license. What can you tell me right now so far, what you have been getting from your um, take? Uh, yeah, thank you so much. It feels like 10
0: years um and not ten months, but it it's only been it's only been ten months um so yeah, so the license process uh was opened by OCM um if everybody uh that's listening isn't familiar, there was a lawsuit filed by in some a a group of disabled veterans against the card licensees and and essentially um, that lawsuit says that, the, the actual law MIRTA doesn't include special recognition for folks with prior marijuana related criminal convictions outside of the social equity applicants. And there was a judge in Albany who granted an injunction that stopped the process for card licensees. Um, not those who had already got operational, but those who had been licensed, but not operational, um, It doesn't seem like too big of a jump to think that that had something to do with uh, the Office of Cannabis Management opening up licensing, not just on the uh, adult use dispensary side, but also uh, with respect to the other license application categories, cultivator, processor, uh, distributor, and microbusiness, which had been originally opened at times prior, cultivator being first, what seems like forever ago, over two years ago, and closing, um, and not opening again until October 4th. So the status of, of licensing in New York now mirrors a little bit more what MRTA, um, the uh, the Marijuana Act in New York, contemplated when it was originally passed, um, and all of those categories are open, and they're open for all people. Uh, we can discuss separately uh, registered organizations, such as is current uh, medical marijuana companies, both in the state and outside of the state, because because it's open to them under the new regulations as well. Um, but that that's kind of where we are in the license process. We've we've went back, we've opened up the priorly closed. Um, cultivator, processor, distributor licenses. We've opened micro business and we've opened for uh, provisional and final licensing, adult use retail
1: shops outside of the card application process. And for people who should also be aware that this current round of licensees, uh, there's two deadlines that are to be noted, November 3rd, 5 p.m. Eastern, December 4th, 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, The 60, the application window is for those areas And prior to submitting, retail dispensaries and microbusinesses engaging in retail sales must give at least 30 days' notice to the municipality for the intent to open shop prior to submitting application. A lot of untangling of what is still expected after the fact. And as you said, when it comes to legacy operators, for those that are getting social equity licenses, it's amazing. I won't go into too far of a tangent, but to know how New York has it and how they can get it right when it comes to social equity, legacy operators... When I had to go talk to someone that is the chairman of the I-71 committee, the D.C. market, the District of Columbia, and the I mean, what a mess it is down there to be able to get cannabis to market now in that market with all the entanglement t- because it's not a state and they still have federal oversight that's more or less still kind of hindering and, and making a lot of obstacles in their process. So New York doesn't even have anything close like this, but New York is still, they are the tip of the spear for the cannabis industry right now everybody's keeping an eye on new york there's every bit of talk that's going on about this to see that things are done right at the end of this of these rounds here what can you tell me what's the expectation of how many licenses will be doled out these right now between now and the end of the year jason yeah well there there's no cap um so that that's the first thing to
0: understand right so there there is no cap if i if i am going off memory here there are upwards of three to four hundred car licenses that were issued i only believe 36 of those on the original go around and i don't believe all of those stores are operational Hmm. Uh, i would i mean if we're guesstimating i would anticipate that they would probably double that i don't know if we'll get that before the new year uh, the, the December 4 deadline will come that will close off the application process. Uh, OCM is waiting until November 4 before they actually consider any of the applications closed. And you mentioned the reason why uh, there's a provision in, in MRTA that requires 30 day notice before the submission of an application. Uh, for the municipality to review and, and opt out to the extent they have. I think the municipalities are way ahead of OCM on this. At this point, um, two and a half years later, they they have generally opted in, or if they've opted out, they've done so. And a lot of those folks have actually put in their own their own types of, of local regulations that fit within the sphere and scope of MRTA, not necessarily um, the proactive uh, OCM regulations. So it's complicated. Um, to answer the question is to number. I don't think we'll get a ton more before the new year just because I think OCM will review the review process for OCM will be right, you know, 30 no. to 60 days. It was historically, right? Now if they're fast tracking it, you know, we could get another two or three hundred retail licensees. Um, you know, cultivator licenses I think are gonna be limited more in number and we've talked about that i think a little last time right a different type of capital and a different type of of ability to to apply for and actually be able to implement those licenses but you know
1: they're open so i want to ask now about those obstacles there's some complications now in terms of new regulations that were pushed out by the cannabis control board back in september so a couple things i want to point out here that really caught my attention Number one, about when it comes to investors, they can have an interest in multiple licenses. They cannot simultaneously have a stake in retail operations like a dispensary and a supply side business like a nursery, even if one of the two is in a different state. The other thing I noticed too is when it comes to cannabis businesses that are medical and want to switch to adult use now as retailers and wholesalers, you know, unlike most firms besides micro businesses, these companies are permitted to grow, manufacture and sell goods, but they're going to have to pay a special licensing fee of twenty million dollars, allowing three adult use dispensaries in locations where they already sell medical. That I mean, wait a minute, twenty million dollars before you can go ahead and make the switch. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so it it is, it, you know, Merta
0: originally had you know a, a person, not per se. It, it was it was a prohibition against the medical companies from coming in and having any any uh, state, especially in the, in the retail in the retail space of, of marijuana, um, because of the shortages that have been created, um, mainly because this has taken a long time to get licensees uh, both approved and up and operational, a lot of different reasons. We can probably spend hours and hours talking about you know the ins and outs of why that happened, but it happened. and they are going to rely. OCM, I mean, is going to rely these medical companies to do two things one raise revenue that hasn't been raised at this point but, uh, from a tax base that doesn't exist uh, because the retail sales are, are not there um, and number two to open and and create a market through folks who have the capacity to do so far more quickly than um, say a social equity applicant or even a group of them would right so they are permitting them Th- them, meaning a registered organization, um, medical marijuana companies to come in on on the ground floor and essentially vertically integrate, um, which is generally impermissible by MRTA, unless you're a micro business or now uh, if you are a, uh, a medical company who already on the medical side grows, right, grows, processes, distributes, packages, markets, and sells your own product. Um, so they will be vertically integrated on the adult use side in the same manner as they will on the retail side, with some caveats. So one of the caveats is the medical: a medical retailer will have to have seventy percent of its product in the reta- on the retail side be uh, from an outside source within New York, and that is an effort by OCM to protect against the social equity and other general licensees who aren't on the medical side from vertical integration but there's still vertical integration and and at least 30 percent of the retail product can be the result of that vertical integration so um it's it's difficult right that that was this was supposed to not happen and it's happening as a result of need and it's been expanded a little bit. I believe the deadlines uh, and and the timeframes have been moved up for all three of those uh, medical uh, operation retail stores to be operational. I think January twenty of uh, twenty six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that is a big change, right? It, it's huge. And in the interim period of time, um, they'll be able to raise some re- revenue. Uh, you know, and I I, I expect you know, folks with medical operations, at least sizable ones, and that's all that exists in New York, right, um, to be able to pay that amount and, and and want to do that and get in on the ground floor. Now, there's a lot of chatter um, from both the car, the card applicants, for sure, um, who have voices with OCM now and have, you know, regular uh, off-board meetings, um, about this, and and you know they're they're not very happy. This could very well lead to additional um, litigation. I would anticipate that it would, um, because they they feel like they will be shut out, um, or at least effectively shut out, if the large um, players are large multi-state players. At that are allowed to come in and and kind of punch them and beat them to the market and then scale them out completely right and you know we were you know i've had some talks with my clients on this and you know for a small business the way that myrta was uh, was planned to get up op- operational functioning and profitable you know it's it's not going to happen immediately you know it might be a three or four year period where these folks are are getting their business up op- op- and functional operational and profitable um, you know, some of those clients see the introduction of the uh, the, the medical folks and, and the larger organizations as, as you know, problematic to that, right? As, you know, maybe they never turn that corner uh, in that three to four years, you know, if, if they can't compete on the front end with them. And, and it's a real concern. It's being talked about. It will be addressed to ocm for sure they have a meeting i believe tomorrow at 10 o'clock and and it could very well be the subject of, of litigation
1: i'm here once again with the lead of the cannabis practice team at feral fritz jason little and the website for them is feral F-A-R-R-E-L-L-F-R-I-T-Z.com. com back after a short break rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business Welcome back to Bloom Business. I'm here with Jason Little, lead of the cannabis practice team at Ferrell Fritz. Now that offers a control of cannabis management. What, by coming up and being on board now, the rollout of the New York market, we've seen some promising things. Okay. And it's not as if the state of New York has not been trying to be active, could be more proactive, could be doing more, but you can see that, that at least New York State is trying to get on top of this. They're trying to address and they're trying to be as transparent as possible. So you're right, right now, but the, the current situation is in New York State, you have 23 legal shops now selling cannabis. Meanwhile, there's still thousands of illicit shops in New York City alone bypassing boards in the state. And you'll see them as actually has not responded to the request for comment. The city.nyc I'm taking this from. And they put out a press release saying that there were a string of workshops being made across the state to answer questions for potential licensees about the general application process. But in the meantime, Governor Kathy Oak has spoken, and I'll take it from NBC4 New York, that they're going to try to expand the legal market by the hundreds, which is where we're seeing the licensees being put in, and that what they have said in the same point was in the illicit sales, they have made a dent on it by being able to go ahead and Seize 80,500 5, 8, pounds of cannabis seized with a street value of more than $42 million after 246 inspections. That's, you know, that, that's a significant. It's still so much more that's out there. When you look at that pendulum right now, it still swings so much. The illicit market is still taking advantages and, you know, breaking the law. Meanwhile, law abiding that you're working with right now are stuck and kind of frozen in space.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent true. And it's, and, and I'm going to echo, echo your sentiment. I don't, it's not that New York isn't working in the right way to get it right. Right. They, I think they had a very progressive and and advanced form of law and they, they took from California and Massachusetts and and Colorado and others who had come before them. They found, you know, where they were equitable and where they weren't. and, And they wanted to, to really try and do the right thing. And sometimes that, that, requires growing pains and it and it requires non-growing pains and it also it requires some patience you know so so i think they're doing the right thing and i and i think they have it ship going the ship going the right way um the problem as you mentioned is the illicit market and and that's a problem for two reasons one uh, it is always likely going to be cheaper if you can run i mean i some of these illegal market the, these illegal operations are running um as a retail store would with retail space and our advertising um and there's just not anything being done about it and, and governor Holkel to her credit um put in the uh, i believe it was the window stickers right that, that you had to have in order to to operate a cannabis shop there's only i think you said 23 i think that's right i thought 23 or 24 of them are open now um so they are they are directly competing with folks that don't have any of the capital costs or licensing costs or regulatory costs that they do, um, and there you know there isn't enough of a of an open market yet to compete at all with the illegal market. Now on the flip end of it, you know there's been and this is just my opinion, but I, I think that by allowing the larger medical folks to come in. And undercut the small business folks, at least in theory, right? It could create the same type of problem because you're taking that group of folks and you know on the small business side, and you're saying, well, you're more incentivized to operate legally because you can't compete legally, um, and we don't want to create an environment in New York where that's true. Um, and again, that that's yet to be seen. It's just something I would throw out there, and and you know maybe in a year or so we're having that conversation. You know, has the illegal market went away, or has the small business market went away and either joined the illegal market or moved out of the cannabis space entirely? Um, and and what does the the operational retail uh, dispensary market look like? And it, it might be. Bigger than Merta had, a bigger companies operating than Merta had ever expected.
1: It's a lot, and I mean, even the Guardian last month also put out a report about why are there so few licenses being doled out in New York State when you have, you know, the legal market now in place. And look, with New York State, New York City alone, the immigration issue, you know, protests right now over the war over Israel and Hamas. And the Gaza Strip, all that going on, it's not helping matters. So, police are already going to be stretched out as it is. But, you know, there's to get this market in place and also just to still think about the bottom line of the tax revenue that needs to be coming in for this. Like, if there still is something that can be done more to crack down the illicit market. I mean, even there was more that was brought up in terms of, you know, the current fines right now, illegal sale of cannabis starts at 10,000 per day, can go up to 20,000 per day. I mean, I guess it should be more than that you are got to be able to shut these people down and not even give them a chance to go and recover. And so there's recovering money for the illicit market and not making companies pay a $20 million special licensing fee. I think you're going to get better off by letting the police go and do what they need to do and give them what they need, the padlock orders, whatever is necessary, so they can go ahead and get recoup the money that's coming in that the illicit market is taking away.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, listen, I I, I, I think it's still criminal to do with the illegal and illicit market is doing and particularly the folks doing it public um the question is you know in, in that that starts with police departments both both local you know county and state um and and the ag's office um and there there does need to be a crackdown um it, and whether that happens it hasn't happened yet at least not in large scale and and again governor governor hogle tried um and she is trying she she has the oh, right yeah. idea. Um, it's, 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 you know, the intention as well, um, there's gotta be follow through on the back end, um, or it will always, always damage the, the, uh, the legalized market, which is, is it's legalized for a reason, right? It's, it's reliable. Um, it's, it's regulated, um, safe for consumers. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's a it's an entrepreneurial way to create tax revenue for all of the people in new york but also to to generate you know hundreds and thousands of small small businesses that are operating legitimately and hiring hiring folks to to work in their shops um and marketing folks to market their their product so it's it's it that's the wheel you're on right unless you're in the illegal market and, and that doesn't exist so yeah, I mean, I think the the, the AG's office and and the, and the state police and the local police departments could could and should probably crack down on this much more. It's just, it's also, you know, it's contrary to MRTA, right? So you know, enforcing prior laws in contravention of what what the new law is kind of trying to 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 do, right? MRTA is trying to decriminalize, you know, marijuana both in in possession and sale, and you know, we're recriminalizing it on the illegal market, but I think it's, I think it would be for a good reason and cause. And, you know, I think the intention is there to do it. Um, and, and we'll see how that goes as new stores open and the capital to, you know, that my clients, you know, so I, I can take a couple in particular, right? I have two, two card licensees who are reapplying for a final license to, to, for a number of reasons, including to circumvent the, the, the uh, injunction. And to get a final license, to be honest with you, um, but they are they are putting capital out of their own pocket, and they understand that the return on their investment might not be for for several years. But you know, it's starting to become a real concern, right? You know, when does this happen? When when am I operational? How do my operations look? Where am I buying? Um, do we have enough cultivators on board, or are they going to be selling? um, to the bigger operations that, that need to supply 70% of, of outside products. So we're not there. Um, it's exciting times, actually. I don't think it's, it's, it's not concerning. It's super exciting. It's just, there's a lot, a lot of questions, um, and, and cracking down on, on the illegal market would help significantly. Um, I'll just speak for, 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 me and what I'm advising my clients, it would help significantly to ease their concerns and, and really get them moving in the right right direction to ramp up um, their capital investment in, into these retail outlets.
1: So from what we've called through so far, I mean, the last 10 months going through and seeing this process play out and seeing just what's being done, all I can at least say is, the one positive is I can say, look, you know, you got Senator Schumer that is trying to go and get Some kind of legal, some kind of passage of something going on. Obviously, you know, by if they can't get a Safe Banking Act, let's get another Safe Style Banking Act in place, sign that, and see if we can get the Senate to go and go through committee, get it up for a vote. The same thing going with, you know, the recommendation of the DEA of rescheduling cannabis from one to three, and obviously the tax revenue that would come back to companies. That would be also a big windfall for them, probably in 2025. And then, Seeing right here where in New York City itself, the governor is trying to make the attempts. And I the government is obviously the one that's been up in front on this, along with the OCM, to try to make things better. And so it's good to go and see that more applications are being done, a lot more possibilities for people to go ahead and apply. There is no cap on that. The idea of trying to get less MSOs to be applying and to get more individual or social equity applicants in place, that's obviously the, the initiative they have. So, going with what you're doing right now at Feral Fritz, what can you tell me about what you're involved with or your team's involved with now in the application process? Has it been anything where have you had a chance to really work pretty intently on that and has there been a lot of issues when it comes to trying to go and help them make the process through and get to that six day window and get them up and running? Yeah, well um, yeah, so we we have engaged with clients in that process.
0: We have uh, a couple of them right now that are going through the, the, the retail process and one on the cultivation side for a final. Um we had been involved in it since the original uh cultivation I, I have been involved in it with with a particular client since the original cultivation and processor licenses opened, which seems like a really long time ago. And I, I want to say you know mid mid to fall 2021, but I could be completely <laughs> mistaken there. Um but we have Two card licenses who are transitioning um, over to a final uh, adult use license as we speak. Um, the process so far has been relatively similar to the process for the conditional license, so it hasn't been difficult or terrible. It's it's pretty easy to operate and work through with a little foresight. You know, a couple of things I would I would recommend. Up front, you know, you, you know, whatever business, however you're going to be organized as a business, um, you know, preferably at, you know an LLC or or a, or a corporation for limited liability and tax purposes. But you you would want to have that formed up front. Um, obviously, you have to 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 get that done and approved. You have to have your interests uh, documented. You would have to uh, find your location or your your beneficial location make sure that it's, it's a possibility um, because, you know, you have to have an a, a actual place uh, confirmed in order to get a license. You can get a provisional license in this round um, of applications. If you do not have a, a particular space, this is on the retail, adult use retail side. Um, but if you, you have 12 months then to secure a place, which is, you know, potentially problematic, you know, finding landlords, uh, finding space, finding landlords that don't have mortgages that make for, uh, sticky issues, um, because of federal legalization or the, the lack of federal legalization. So that's, that, that's a set of issues, um, that we are dealing with, with our clients, finding, finding space, finding affordable space. Um, and then, you know, obviously retrofitting it, but Um, that's all part of the application process. You need to have, you need to have a location. You need to have a business entity structure. You need to have an organization chart. Um, you need to contemplate having uh, a point of sale, um, vendor. You need to have then the agreements in in place with those service provider, the service, the service agreements that are required. So there's a, there's a lot going on within the application. The application itself is pretty straightforward, uh, most of the folks that have have reached out to me for for advice are folks that started that process whether it was the application itself or the informational portion I said oh how do you suggest i i do this and you know always happy to take a look at those and and, and advice now that's not just for the, the the adult use retail side it's also for cultivators distributors and processors it's it's a little little different for those folks um with grow plans and etc but it's it's pretty straightforward. It's not, it's not too, too difficult to do. Mm. Um, you just have to spend the time and the money to do it. Um, because you know, they're, they're not free. You have to apply. I think the adult use application is a thousand dollars. And I believe the license is $3,000 okay. if you're approved. So,
1: yeah, it's all the extra mo- money up front that just kind of, I just can't believe how much you're, they're asking for just up front and just, those kind of things that are going on. And then on top of that, we've talked before and about the the social equity applicants. And I've talked with other social equity applicants in New York, talking about how they got their dispensaries up and going, you know, dealing with the issues of temporary opening, you know, just soft openings and then coming back down, going through inspections, getting them back open again. All those kind of things are still becoming a, a big part of where this is all at. I'm here with Jason Little, lead of the cannabis practice team at Farrell Fritz here on Blunt Business, back after a short break. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Jason Little, lead of the cannabis practice team at Feral Fritz. Let's talk to listeners again for the website so people can go ahead and learn more about Feral Fritz and, and really get a chance to connect with your team. It's dot com. And for those who go to the website, real quickly, if who should be able to reach out to you in terms of what you could do, which areas you cover, and, you know, Give a call to action out there for our listeners. Those that should be reaching out to you and why? Yeah, if you, I, I think there's two two types of folks that should be reaching
0: out. If you are entrepreneurial and you are interested in the adult use cannabis business or, or the adult use uh, cannabis on on any level, right? Cultivation, processing, distribution, micro business, um, medical service organizations. Otherwise, if you're folks that are looking uh, to get into this market uh, or are in it and are looking to uh, turn into uh, the adult use, um, those folks uh, reach out and I'm happy to talk with them. I, I talk with them often. I, I do a lot of group calls uh, with the with group of card licensees. Um, and then the second set of folks are obviously the folks that are within the application process or... Uh, have already completed it and, and are stymied and stalemated and, and need assistance now. Right. So th- those are the folks that are, that are on the application side. I mean, obviously these are businesses, um, they need to be formed and operate like businesses in a highly regulated market. So just like any other business would, would need counsel, um, cannabis businesses will need counsel. Um, I don't want to say more so than others, but, um, after the initial license process is completed and the big sigh of relief is, is is gained, then that's where a lot of the work starts. So a lot of my calls are actually with folks who, who have licenses and are like, okay, so now I need to get a hold of municipalities. I need to find space. Can you take a look at my lease? <laughs> uh, can you look at my proposed lease? Should I buy? Um, how do I approach service? providers and and in particular point of sale providers and, and financial institutions. So, you know, how do I how do I link up with distributors and cultivators or vice versa? How do, you know, I, I grow, you know, where do I find lists of accept, acceptable processors and ultimately retail markets? So th- those are the the types of calls I, I, I get. I'm happy to work anybody through those processes. And um, you can look at the website, see a list of all of the things we do. It's it's a team of folks here that, that help, not just myself. So uh, we're happy to to field any call, really, and, and just talk through the issues. And if we can help, we would love to do it. And if we can't, you know, we'll try to find somebody that can. Fantastic.
1: Really appreciate you taking time out again, Jason, to go ahead and talk to us and follow back up on this. I'm glad we had the opportunity again here with Jason A. Little, head of the cannabis practice team at Feral Fritz. Again, the website is Farrell, farrellfrit zcom Jason, thanks again. We'll definitely keep in touch. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And also listeners, thank you for listening for another Bullen Business. We'll talk to you next time.